Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning, Greg. <laughs> Good morning. Like, there's some, there's some voices you never mistake with other voices. <laughs> and there's voices that kind of rattle your backbone as well whenever they... <laughs> That's Greg. I love you, Greg. You're welcome, brother. You're welcome. Hey, like, I, like Joey said, Christmas service is, it's crazy. It feels like, wasn't it just September and now Christmas service is next weekend. And so I want to encourage you, grab a friend, grab a family member, grab a neighbor, whoever, come. We're going to have a great time uh, in the Lord next weekend, 9 and 1045 a.m. services, December 19th. Uh, the next weekend actually is Christmas Day, is Saturday, 25th is Christmas. So the following on the 26th, we know you're going to be hungover from brisket and turkey and, you know, food, food. And so well, we're only going to have one service. It's at 10 a.m. on December 26th. We're going to follow that pattern for January 2nd because, again, you guys are going to be full of black-eyed peas and cabbage and whatnot. So December 2nd, 10 a.m., December, I'm sorry, January 2nd, 10 a.m., December 26th, 10 a.m., but next weekend is 9 and 10.45 a.m. So don't come next week at 10. It'll feel awkward. And don't come the weekend after at 9 unless you're ready to serve. Come at 9, actually. Come the weekend before at 9 a.m. And there's plenty of opportunity for you. The Lord has something for you, I assure you. And so next week, we're actually going to break our message series uh, for a light of the world message. And then the following week will be the last message of this series and it's the purpose test. It's kind of what we've been gearing towards the whole time. It is the purpose test. And I'll reveal to you how you can really begin to walk in your purpose. We've gone through the nine tests so far, or where this will be the ninth today, in different avenues where God is testing us continually. It doesn't stop testing our hearts continually so that he can grow us into the likeness of himself. That's the whole purpose in salvation, and there everything life after salvation. So we're not just waiting for heaven. We are, we are conforming to the image of Christ, and he has given us everything that we need to conform to his image. And so he, through these tests, he challenges us and strengthens us. Uh, along, with, along with these others, that we have Christmas dinner, of course, we're giving away, we're giving away those 100 Christmas dinners, and we're actually going to give away briskets in those uh, for a, a, enough to feed a family of eight in each dinner, and that's going to be at the Dream Center, by the way, Thrive Dream Center at 5 p.m., but we'll need to get started around, probably around one or two-ish to get set up and get everything ready. I'm going to smoke the briskets before with a few guys and the day before, but uh, now is also a time, if you're interested in going with me to, in, uh, to Honduras in March, March 12th through the 19th, I want to encourage you to get registered, get signed up, and start saving, putting back. That's $1,600 round trip. You, you'd have to get your own passport, but from the time we leave here to the time we return, it's just $1,600 all-inclusive. And so uh, that's going to be, again, March spring break for our kids, and a lot of you have all, uh, time away that, that week. And then... I want to remind you to mark your calendar for January 9th through the 11th is our freedom, our first conference, rather, our first conference. And so we're just kicking off the new year with, a, with an adrenaline shot to the heart. 
We're just we're going to come out of the lethargy of the holidays. We've got a, some great speakers, one coming in from Illinois, one from a Hispanic church, one from South Africa, and one from another part of the town here, Dallas. So we have a lot of great speakers that are coming to just give us a jump start for the new year and set in stone what God is saying for the 2022 year going forward and coming out of 2021. So I'm excited about that. Mark your calendars. And so anyway, I left yes last, last Sunday. You know, last Sundays are those, those hard uh, messages to deliver because you know how people re- struggle in receiving. There's two, two of the hardest co- topics to talk about from the platform is, is talking about returning the tithe back to God and then serving, <laughs> because both of them have to do with the, the matter of the heart, and it has to do with me giving up something that I feel like belongs to me, whether it's lifetime or treasure, and God talks about these things a lot. Jesus talked about them a lot. In fact, Jesus talked about, he talked about finances and materials. A third of the New Testament, a third of the Gospels are geared towards material things. Why? Because we're so connected to stuff in this world. And so that's why it's a challenging topic. And I knew going away, just because of history, somebody's going to come in and say, to make the comment, every time I go to church, that preacher's talking about money. And I, like I, I left Sunday knowing this. Come around Tuesday and I hear the testimony. <laughs> So-and-so came and said, man, last time I came, he was talking about money. And, I, and, I, and that response already for me was given in, on Sunday was, well, if you'd come more than once every six months, you'd hear a different message. <laughs> and that is so true for this individual as well. So, you know, and, and it could be, let me, just, let me just give you God's perspective on this. It could be that it's those times that he knows the message he's given to the speaker, the pastor, whoever is speaking that weekend, and he's guiding your footsteps to hear it so that you will hear something that is going to challenge your heart, that is going to grow your heart, and really move you to get beyond yourself. It could be that the Lord is ordering footsteps, because that is his word. And he could, it could be he knows what the pastor is going to talk about. I'm just, could be. Could be. Well, maybe, maybe he knows what we're going to talk about today, but... I'm pretty sure he does, and that's why you're here as well. And so I would say, even with history, that there may be something in this message, this test from the Lord that God is going to speak to you about that may be because of the lack of growth in this area, and, and there may be some, some areas of growth, and, but there may be some specific situations, circumstances, times in your life where you just hadn't addressed this issue in that area of your life or with that relationship or over that subject or that moment, that experience. And some other ones, you know, we're able to, able to deal with, and I'm kind of leaving it hanging. But when it comes to the pardon test, boy, it really starts to affect the heart of every individual, every relationship, every circumstance of life. Because we've gone through the pride test, and I, I tell you, I... I it's hard to work with a proud person, isn't it? Anybody just love, I mean, I just love proud people around me. <laughs> they're so fun. They're easygoing, teachable, coachable. I mean, they'll just, you just, you just let them know what you need, and, and they'll just go after it. Love it. I don't think so. <laughs> they'll tell you they did something, but they didn't do it, maybe. Or then the pit test, the palace test, the purity test, 
the prison test, the prophetic test. We've gone through the power test where God only gives me, what he gives me is for me to give away. It's not for me. And then that also led us to the prosperity test, which we talked about returning back to God, bring the first of the first fruits back to God, returning it to him because it all belongs to him anyway, so that what you sacrifice will redeem the rest. Remember, we talked about 90, 90% blessed of your finances will go further than 100% without his blessing. That's really good. And so we're talking about the pardon test, and I, and I just have to say it's going to be hard to flow in the pardon test if you're not able to pass the prosperity test, because it all has to do with releasing something that I feel like belongs to me, something I feel like I have control over or power over. And so all of these begin to connect to one another, depending on different areas of our lives. Let's look at this in Genesis 50, because we're talking about the, the life of Joseph, and he's gone through a lot of these tests, and I can only imagine that he's He's really dealt with this particular test in his heart before this, but let's look at it. When Joseph's brothers, who actually had put him into slavery, he was sure that they were going to kill him, put him into a pit, the well, brought him out. That's when they sold him into slavery. And this is how Joseph ended up in Egypt, where he currently is. And with a lot of history before this, a lot of circumstances, a lot of issues, going to prison, coming out of prison, having already had the, a dream twice that the Lord was going to have others, specifically his family, bowing to him. And now here comes the full circle after the testing uh, until this point. So when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us, you think, and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph saying, before your father died, he commanded saying, thus, say, thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin for they did evil to you. Now, please, please forgive the trespass of, your, of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face and they said, behold, we are your servants. And Joseph said to them, do not be afraid, for, I, for am I in the place of God? But as, you, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people, many people's lives. And Whatever path you are on, whatever pain you've gone through, whatever dream God has, has given you, whatever your purpose, the, only with the nearness of the Lord will it come to fruition as we're conforming through these tests and others, as we're conforming to his image and his likeness. He's, he understands at this point that others may have meant something for evil, but God was utilizing all of that for Joseph's good for as long as he would live life out according to God's word and his ways. He realized that. He's like, nobody has control over my destiny, my purpose, except for me and the way I make my decisions. And those decisions can only be made according to the word of God. And this is where we begin to settle. If we're, if we, when we begin to take our own route we begin to live out life our own way. Oftentimes, it's trying to prove a point. Oftentimes, it's, it's, it's beginning to live from a pain rather than for that purpose according to God's word. This is where we begin to set a path for our own dream. 
our, our own purpose in life because it gets too hard to follow the dream, the purpose that God has given us. It gets too challenging. It gets too difficult. The, it feels like the standards are too tall. It feels like these tests are just too difficult. But God would never give us a test that he didn't already give us the answers to. And the only difficult thing is being willing to submit, humbly submit to the answers that are to the test. So he's already given the answers. He's just saying, hey, would you? Now, let me say, let me ask you this way. Let's say you had been going to school for 10 years, and it all comes to this final exam. And if you pass this final exam, you are able to have the career of a lifetime. You're making six, maybe even seven digits a year income. And you were, the teacher said, the, 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 the teacher said, hey, listen, you've worked hard. You've made it this far. Here are the answers to the test that are going to be, that's going to happen tomorrow. Would you apply those answers to the test? Some are like, no, you're baiting me. <laughs> because no one, none of you are saying, what you're saying is, I don't want to have to play out his answers to these tests of life. But you do. Because that, that's, how it, that's how it works. It's the same scenario. God has given us the answers in his word. Now all we have to do is apply them to the situations and circumstances, the tests that come along in our lives. And then he says this in verse 21. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. This is pretty interesting because any purpose that, any purpose that is truly from God, it has the intention of blessing others and bringing others into his kingdom. Notice the last statement he said, the, the, the evil that you meant, God purposed for good so that I will be used to save people, to save many others. And a per, you know if the purpose that you're living, the path that you're living is from God, if it has to do with blessing other lives and bringing them into the kingdom of God. How do I know this is God's purpose? Well, is it blessing others and is it reaching others for Christ and for his kingdom? Or is it just blessing your kingdom? You'll know the difference by the, out, the outcome of those two factors right there. Then he follows it with, I will provide for you and your little ones, and he comforted them. How? Why? Because his heart was already sold out for the kingdom of God, and he said, okay, you know what? God has positioned me. Remember, the power test was to give power away. The prosperity test was to return back to God what belongs to God for the sake of God's kingdom, and he says, I'll provide for you and your little ones, and he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Now, I believe that even though, so he had learned the prosperity test, he's learned through the power test, and now I believe that before this situation, this circumstance, that Joseph had already dealt with this issue in his heart before the, even the messenger came to them, but certainly before the brothers got there, because his response reflected such that said, you know what? I'm going to take care of you. Amen. What you meant for evil, God purposed for good. I'm, I'm over that stuff. Like, it doesn't even have control over me anymore. I forgive you. And then, not only does he say, I forgive you, but he says, I want to bless you. I want to provide for you and your little ones, your whole family, the generations to come, it, the little ones. It, it gets deeper. And he said he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. He understood that it all belongs to God and its purpose to provide for others in God's kingdom. 
its purpose to provide for others and build a platform for the next generation that's coming. Passing the power test, he uses position of authority to give opportunity. This is a huge one. This is a huge place because as you begin to grow in life, there are gonna be, there's gonna be more power that is given to you and the moment you begin to let it well up in your heart of now I can lord over somebody, the more you reveal to God you're not ready for not only that, that level of leadership or authority or whatever it is in your, your org chart at your business, at the workplace, but the moment you realize, okay, this all comes from God anyway, so it's not mine. I just need to steward it and give it away to others so that I too can grow as they grow. Then God says, okay, that's a heart I can mold, I can deal with, I can, I can, I can truly be Lord in their lives. But he says to comfort and speak kindly. And until now, we haven't seen the word forgive. In the, past, in the first 49 chapters of the Bible, you never see the word forgive. And they make this story that says, hey, your dad, our father, said, who, who is also serves the God, serves our God, said, he commands you to please forgive. He commands you to please forgive. Forgive, and this is the first time we see this, this this word forgiveness, and it really it means to completely absolve. It means to remove uh, uh, from a penalty, and it also means in this context to lift up or to bear. Let me remind you of that: to completely absolve, to release from penalty, and to lift up or bear. And isn't that what what Jesus did for us? He released us, released us from the penalties of sin on the cross. He, he bore our sins on the cross. And once he did that, he completely absolved, he, he had completely absolved us of every sin, every punishment, and every penalty. That, that, that's a wonderful feeling. And so right there, we see the example of what this forgiveness truly is. And that's exactly what he did. Following the tithe, this is the second most crucial test that we have to pass. This test actually affects the other nine areas and the other nine tests in our lives. And if you can't learn to pardon people or forgive people, then you're never gonna walk in the fullness of your purpose. Often when I'm listening to people talk, I can hear this little hint of unforgiveness in their lives. And when I begin to even talk about, hey, I think you need to forgive this, this person over this situation, such and such. Oh, well, pastor, you don't know what, what that they did to me. And I may not. And here's my next thoughts. But I know what the unforgiveness is doing to you right now. And I understand, I understand that after someone does, has done something horrific to, horrifically wrong to you, the feeling is, well, I can never forgive them. I, I could never let them go. I could never let them off the hook. But I'm, I'm going to give you a little three-step process, just three little, fun, three little choices that you have to make, three little things. If I can just do this one, maybe it'll move me closer to doing the next and then the next, and then I'll finally be free from this thing. And that first one is just release. Just release. Remember when Joseph's brothers sent messengers to him stating that they had, they had this message they had, they had concocted. Remember they said, he commands you. It was, it, was, it was like, okay, daddy's dead, and he was the only one that would have really been able to tell Joseph to not put us into slavery or in the pit or in prison. And so we've got to get some kind of final 
final favor out of the life of our Father. So let's put together this, this message that we can send with messengers because I don't know what's going to happen if we show up in Egypt. But remember, there's a famine going on. The seven skinny cows have now ate the seven fat cows, according to the dream that Pharaoh, Pharaoh had that we talked about last week. And it, he's, I'm, I'm certain this was to save their skin because there's no supporting evidence that Jacob actually said these things before he passed away. However, there is, there is I'm sorry, they sent, because they sent messengers saying, your father commanded. And then before, then it says, before your father died. When of course it would have had to have been before. That's the only way it could have been believable, right? Like before your father, like, it's like they were sitting around concocting an idea of how they could be accepted. So let, let's say that he commanded it. But then notice in the command, it's a, it's a, it's a petition. Please forgive. I'm, I'm commanding you. Please forgive me. Like that didn't even make sense. Like the addition of that conversation, that statement has no sense to it. Here, command, oh, oh, and then, then add the, the father who, who served your God. Add that into the statement because now if, if, if it has God in it, then for sure Joseph's going to forgive us. So the manipulation after manipulation after, let's form this to where Joseph has no way out of this. If he's truly going to honor the God and he's going to honor the, his, our father, then he must forgive us. And in fact, you don't even see him repent whenever they show up. All they said was, we're your servants. Well, of course they are. So is the rest of the world. Joseph's second in command. Everybody's his servant. It makes no sense. But this is, this, this is what happens when people want to manipulate you. They come in and try, they try to, try to blend into the fold. They never truly ask for forgiveness and repent and then show the, show the fruit of repentance. Or they may repent. I repent for what I did, this, this, and this. Would you forgive me? But they never change. They never bear the fruit of repentance. And so all they're doing is, is, re, is, is manipulating a system that they know that God would bless if their heart would change. That's how the pardon test comes and challenges our heart to, to see where we are to see. Is God truly our God in this area of our lives? And I don't know if you noticed, but... Ne- <laughs> But whenever they came in, and they, even though they chose not to repent, even though Joseph had already dealt with his heart, because Joseph had already dealt with his heart, he just moved on past it. So I want, to see, I want you to see two scenarios, because my question is, would you be able to forgive someone who manipulated, lied, and cheated just to be back into your presence? That's a tough one. That's the pardon test, though. I remember years ago, I was in a scenario very similar to this, and it was a tough one. Like, it was tough. And I knew that a person that I cared for dearly, it was a friend of mine, uh, had lied about a situation, a conversation, and a scenario in the past. And the way that it was depicted was actually, I had, I had said the thing that he, would, he had mentioned, but he made it sound like, and he stated, that he said this, and he was holding it against me. And because I really had no authority, no place in that, once I challenged it, I said, wait a minute, I reminded him of the scenario. It didn't change his stance, but in the moment I realized, wait a minute, this is actually going to be for my good, though it sucks. 
and it did. And I'm telling you, it hurt. It, it messed up our relationship, our friendship, the situation. But in the moment that it happened, I could hear the Lord saying, he's not doing this, I am. And boy, have you ever felt anger and peace at the same time? <laughs> because like, I'm angry that this is happening, but there's a peace that surpasses understanding as to why this is happening. And so that peace is actually telling me there's something better after this, but boy, it sure doesn't offset the anger in the moment. And the more you begin to rattle around that stuff and play that scenario over and over and over in your head, the more angry you get. And the more angry you get, the more bitter and resentful you become. And that, and that, just, that just doesn't go away. Like, time does not heal that wound. Time with God will, but that time with God must prove by your obedience according to his word. And so, boy, I, I spent some months after that just ruminating and ruminating and ruminating and thinking through every scenario and thinking about all the things that, that could have been and should have been in, in my head and in my heart and my attitude. I was, I was uh, working on some, some things around the house and, and actually building, finishing building our house in the midst of that. And man, I could just see myself taking it out on the, on the house. No nail could be driven deep enough. <laughs> Let me tell you. Oh, man. But, and in the midst of that, I know, like I knew my responsibility was to forgive. Like it's the right thing to do. But at the moment, it was like, no, I'm not going to let him off the hook. I can't let him off the hook. Jo look, look at this in Genesis 50, 19. Joseph said to them, though, do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? And this is where God began to really speak to me about this whole scenario that I'm about to break down according to his word. In Leviticus 19, 18, he says, You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself, for I am the Lord. Now, we know we see that in the New Testament. Here's where it comes from in the Old Testament. Look at Romans. 19, dear, dear, dear friends, this is in the New Living Translation. Dear friends, never take revenge Leave that to the righteous anger of God, for the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. So vengeance means to bring justice to an unjust situation. And, and you and I are not just enough to bring justice to an unjust situation. God is actually the only one who is just. Now you may say, well, I'm justified, and you are justified, but you're justified because of the justness of the Lord. He is the one who paid the penalty of our sins on the cross, bore them there to justify us so that we no longer have to pay that penalty. But he doesn't make us just. God still is the only one who truly is just. So if you, if you live your life, though, with unforgiveness, you will always try to bring justice. You're always going to try to bring justice or vengeance back to the situation, the scenario, and you think that you are holding them in contempt. You're holding punishment against them by holding on to forgive, unforgiveness. But in reality, you're further, you're further strengthening and mending your connectedness to them and that, and that bad scenario, that situation. 
So the more you try to hold on to unforgiveness, the more live and more vibrant the issue and the struggle that you had with this person and this person itself becomes in your life. And the person that you're angry and resentful and bitterness towards, all of a sudden is all around you in all of your decisions and all of your thought processes. And not even time can take this thing away. The problem becomes that you will spend your, t- your life trying to prove something rather than trying to please someone. And this is how I know it's recognizable because I begin to hear conversations and I've been there where you start making decisions based on what someone else said you could or couldn't do or tried to keep you from or you felt like we're, we're trying to control you or you were hurt by this. And so as a byproduct, you start doing this, this, and this. In reality, you're not living to please God. You're living to, you're living to prove a point. And this was my challenge in the pardon test. Like I knew the Lord was telling me to forgive. And some of my decisions were beginning to be more out of response of the situation than they were closeness with the Lord. Well, I'll show them. No one will ever do that, ever do that to me again. I met a guy, I went to get a, a massage Friday because I live a rough life. <laughs> And a guy walks in, and he's like, he's being rude to the, the receptionist. And then a lady talks to him, and then he's walking out, and he goes, oh, hi, I'm so-and-so. I'm a blank, blank, blank. I'm like, dang. And then he, he spins off like, yeah, I was married for 25 years and just went through a divorce, and now this girlfriend. I'm like, dude, he, I, I look at, he's trying to find himself. Because he's living out of the resentment and the anger and the hurts from this relationship or this divorce or whatever the scenario is and so you can see he started to try to create an alter ego and a lot of times we do this oh because of this happened now I'm going to do this we live reactive lives instead of proactively pursuing the Lord and through forgiveness and releasing the others to God so that we can be free from the bondage of that situation and that person so that we can fully focus on what the Lord is saying and doing and what his word says so that I can make choices from this place rather than this place. I'm in bondage to this place because I won't forgive. And God spoke to me about this, his vindication and inability to, to discipline for as long as I was withholding unforgiveness. And literally, these, messages, these verses came up, and he said, well, I, I, I can't disciple, discipline this individual in this situation because you're doing it with your own hands and your own unforgiveness. Because when you're, when you're a brother or sister in Christ, no matter the situation between you, we still release them to the Lord. When they're not in Christ, they don't know any better. How can we try to hold the world who doesn't know Christ to a standard that is Christ? We release them to him so that he can discipline, so he can have vengeance, so that he can repay. And his repaying is only trying to form and conform them to his image or to his son if they're not saved or to his likeness. And for as long as we are trying to hold on to it, he's like, my hands are tied. But as soon as you forgive, I can do something about it. And as soon as we forgive, he does something about it in our hearts and in the hearts of the other individual. But when you're pleasing to the Lord, 
He vindicates and brings justice to all of your life issues. Joseph says, am I in the place of God? And the moment we're holding on to unforgiveness, we put our play, ourselves in the place of God. And no longer is God God. God can be God around all this other stuff, but not this. Essentially, Joseph says, I have nothing to prove, but I do have someone to please. And have you ever had those late nights where you're repeating a conversation over and over in your head and you're, you're talking about how you're going to address an issue or handle a circumstance or somebody offed you and you're going to come back around and you're, you're ruminating on all these things you're going to say to them the next thing you see them, next time you see them. And you know, I need to forgive. And of course you need to forgive, right? Otherwise you wouldn't be ruminating over all these things that are going on in your head. And that's how you know if you, if, if you think, well, I've forgiven them. If you're still ruminating over these things in your head and late at night, then you know that you have not forgiven. But what, what often we often do don't realize is that the longer we go through life not forgiving those, the more connected we stay to them. And here's the key. If you're still going through it, that's a, that's a byproduct of I have not forgiven, and it's time for me to truly, by faith, from my heart, I don't feel it. I don't feel it. I don't like it. I don't even want to do it, but by faith, I've got to start the process of forgiving this individual and releasing them to the Lord, truly releasing them through the, to, the, to the Lord. The number one was release. The n- number two thing is just receive. So I release them to the Lord and now I'm a position, in a position to receive. Matthew 6, 12 says this, and this is the Lord's Prayer, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And many of you heard this, but as means in the same way. This word as right here, in the very same way that we are forgiving others, God, would you forgive me? And so what we're, we don't realize that we're asking is, God, I don't want you to forgive me until I can forgive this individual. Because in the same way I'm choosing to hold unforgiveness, I'm asking you through the Lord's Prayer to hold that unforgiveness against me. Like, it's the same. We don't want to be saying that. But as we're praying it, that's exactly what we're praying. And he's leading us to that prayer. Lord, in the same way, I'm holding unforgiveness. I'm asking you to deal with me the same way. Deal with my heart in the same manner. And there's a principle in the area of giving that is not specifically just about money. It's about all things. It's about all things in life, anything that you have received from the Lord, and there's nothing that you haven't received from the Lord. The the closer you grow to him, you realize it's all his anyway. And by the way, his word says that. So it's freely, and it's a verse, freely you you have received, freely give. And so you have received forgiveness when Jesus went to the cross, and you received that. You didn't pay for it. You received it free. And so therefore, we are able to freely give away that very same thing, and we're actually commanded, not please, commanded to freely give away the very thing that we have received that we didn't earn. We didn't pay for it. God gave it to us through his own son. But if you have a problem forgiving others, it's actually because you have a problem receiving. And if you feel like in any way, like you are paying for your sins or earning forgiveness or that you have to, 
then you're often going to call, make someone else pay for their sins. Oh. Or you're going to feel like they should earn forgiveness back from you. Ooh. Ah. So if you struggle giving, it's because you struggle even receiving that forgiveness. And when we learn to freely receive, then we can freely give. And there's a lot more things in the kingdom of God that God has for us to receive, but we, have, we actually have a receiving problem because we have a giving problem. And we have a giving problem because of our pride, we have a receiving problem. How many people is like, no, 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 I'm good. I can take care of it, but, but can I help you? We struggle in receiving help. But we don't mind giving help. Verse 13, he says, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And amen. For you, verse 14, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you also, will also forgive you. Well, that's good news. Because that's, that's what I want. Because I, I can mess up some stuff. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses right there in the same way I forgive others Lord would you forgive me that way and I know in saying that that if I don't then you're not going to forgive me and then he says right before the verse before he said lead us not into temptation unforgiveness is an open door for the enemy to come in and out of your lives and by the way when you have unforgiveness in your life, a lot of the life decisions you're making is, is created by the whisperer, and it's not the kingdom whisperer. It's the Satan, satanic whisperer. Because you have given him a stronghold in your life, and you have meditated, and you have built up anger and resentment, and there's an unresolved conflict that's never meant to be in your soul because the word of God says you just forgive. Just let me take care of it. I'll handle it. I'll take care of you. I'll, I will repay, and I will, I will take care of you in the midst of that. It's a by faith thing. Logic says, no, 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 you don't know what they've ever done. But I'm telling you, faith says, I know what it's doing to you, and I know who is doing it to you. Number one, release. Number two, receive. Number three is believe. Psalms 103 and 12 says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Now, we think in the earth, and we're thinking, oh, from the east and the west, well, that's going to that's connect on the other side of the earth. But God thinks in the sense of universe, which never ends. And so as far as the east is from the west, meaning it's obliterated, it doesn't even exist, he chooses to remove and remember your sins no more. Your transgressions, you get it? Transgress, remember what we talked about. When I trespass, if this was the boundary line and this is a property line and you come across on my property, you've trespassed, you've transgressed onto my property. And if I transgress on a boundary line, then I've trespassed, I've transgressed. I've, I've done something I know I shouldn't have. I crossed the line and, and that is a transgression, it's a sin. Now, we're gonna talk about the next word, Isaiah 53, 6. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, this is more deep-rooted. Like, it's been going on for generations. It, it is so innate in your, in your thinking, in your soul, that you, for some reason, you just have a bent towards going that way. But Jesus took those things. He laid them on himself on, on the cross. So your transgressions are as far as the east is from the west. They don't even exist. This is in the universe, not on the earth. And, the, and your iniquities, 
Those deep-rooted things he took on the cross for, on, for you on, him, on himself. So God has removed these things. You get it? In some families, generational iniquity of unforgiveness and bitterness causes division and brokenness. That's an iniquity. But God is taking those things that the generations of your past has, gone, has dealt with and has caused, broken, caused brokenness in your relationship, and he, he put them on the cross. He completely took them so that you don't have to live in them. And you don't have to stay there. And the generations that come after you don't have to have broken relationships, broken families, division, struggles. Habakkuk 1.13 says, You are of purer eyes than to behold evil and cannot look on wickedness. Wickedness here is sin. This is another word for sin. We talked about transgressions, iniquity, and wickedness. He, he says he can't even look at it. Like when it happens, he just looks away. Remember Cain, he's brought in his offering over time. This is why Cain got so ticked off uh, because, and he killed his brother because when he brought it in over, over a process of time, God couldn't even look at it. It says he didn't respect it. It means he, he didn't accept it. It actually means he turned away. So he turned away from seeing Cain and, the, and the, 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 re, the first fruits that was brought in in a process of time, so it's not even the first fruits. He couldn't because it was wickedness. He can't even look at sin. But Job 36, 7 says he does not withdraw his eyes from the righteous. Boy, that's good news. 1 Peter 3.12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. Boy, wouldn't it be good to be righteous? Man. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For he made him who knew no, no sin to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So Jesus took all these things, this wickedness, this iniquity, the transgressions, so that we don't have to do those. He gave us righteousness, not in, a, not in our own righteousness, so that as we just apply the answers to the test by faith, then we begin to, yes, we're righteous, but we are not walking in righteousness. So he made us righteous, gave us the answers to every test, so that we would choose by, to, by faith, to apply them and to begin to live righteously according to his word and his ways. You see it? Like you don't have to live in unforgiveness. You don't have to live with the devourer on your life. You don't have to live proud. You don't have to live pitiful in a pit. You don't have to live in pain of the past. When you know there's more that God has for you and he's already revealed, you don't have to. He's taken all of that. But you have to choose to apply his word in the midst of the painful situation. And in this case, we've got to forgive some people that have done some very hurtful things. It was months later, Allie and I set a time, made a time to go and speak with the individual I was talking about. And I said, Allie, we're not going in for a response. We're going in out of obedience. Went in. Hey, I repent for anything I did. I repent for anything I said, anything that was in my heart. Both of us, we do it. We, we repent. 
And I, I want you to know, Matthew 18 says, if I have an issue, I got to go to you. So I want you to know I, I had an issue. And I need to ask for your forgiveness. Matthew 5 also says, if you know of a brother that has an issue against you, and I feel like there must have been an issue. So I want you to know, you're not asking. And I told him, you're not asking. You're not asking. And I don't want you, you know, that's not what I'm here for. But I want you to be blessed. I, like, I want you to be blessed. And so I want you to know, going out of this conversation, I'm not holding anything against you. In fact, I completely, we completely forgive you for all these things that took place. There was a proud no response. Wasn't going there for that. But I could tell going in that, that, that he was nervous as can be. He knew. He knew. And I knew he had done wrong. But that wasn't the point anymore. It really wasn't even him doing it. As hard as it was, it was my test. It was a test from the Lord to see how I would handle this. Because if I can't handle that, then I certainly can't handle everything else he has to bring me. Can I pray for you? I always ask, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? And I know if you're like me, he starts reminding me of situations, scenarios, people, moments. Sometimes it's connected with pain. But it doesn't have to. And I say it again, I don't know what they did to you. But I know what it's doing to you. So Father, we right now, we just pray to by faith and obedience to your word, just pass this test to forgive those who have hurt us. And maybe you have named so-and-so for such and such. And it's even healthy. Lord, when they did this, it made me feel this, this, and this. Father, please forgive me for holding on to unforgiveness, holding on to bitterness and resentment, and not being obedient to your word, and putting my place, myself in your place, and not allowing you to bring healing into my life, to repay, to bring vengeance. Lord, I repent for not allowing you to be God. And I ask for your forgiveness. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.